Okay, well, we are here again for another episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP with special guest Jan Willem Hoodmockers and uh, Tom Colson, and I'm Ray Guarneri. And today we're going to talk about um, the company Impossible Foods, which owns a trademark called the Impossible Burger. You may have heard of it. It's a burger that has no meat in it. Um, and uh, the trademark infringement case that's been going around in the news with Nestle's Incredible Burger. So we've got an impossible burger and an incredible burger. And before I kick over the discussion to, to Tom and Jan Willem, I just want to remind you guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the like button, uh, give us a comment, share your thoughts, and most importantly, share the video with your friends. So uh, with that, uh, Tom, Jan Willem, I don't know who wants to go yeah, first. Is it impossible or is it incredible? Yeah, it's impossible for Jan Willem to go, but it's incredible that I can go. So let me start just by giving a quick background. And by the way, what you know what's cool about the Impossible Burger, what's impossible about it is that it's plant-based, but it bleeds, okay? It actually bleeds. What? Yeah, yeah, it looks like it's bleeding because they have this product, which the short name is Heme, but it's something for something hemoglobin. But anyway, it looks like it's bleeding. So it's impossible that a non-meat burger can bleed, but it does. So anyway, so in 2016, this Silicon Valley funded company, um, Impossible Foods launches, and they have their Impossible Burger. In 2018-ish, Nestle begins negotiations with Impossible Foods to license their brand Impossible Burger, right? During the negotiations, Nestle launches their burger, the Incredible Burger in the EU. Then um, the Impossible Foods gets a trademark registration in the EU in 2019, or it, I think it, it, it occurs, it finalized in 2020, and Nestle immediately moves to invalidate their trademark in the EU, which by the way, the invalidation proceeding is still pending. But in the meantime, Nestle launches their incredible burger and Impossible Foods sues them in a Dutch court and they succeed in getting a preliminary injunction to prevent Nestle from using their incredible burger in the, um, you know, in the market, their, I'm sorry, their incredible burger brand in the marketplace. So that's what this whole fight is boiling up to be. Nestle tries to license the impossible burger name. They, the negotiations break down. They launch their incredible burger. Impossible food sues them for trademark infringement in the US or in the EU to get them to stop using the Incredible Burger because of so-called confusing similarity. Enter Jan Willem. Yes. And I came, I came across this because it was, a, uh, it was in the Dutch court, but uh, Impossible Foods actually sued not just the Dutch entity, Nestle BV, but they also sued the headquarters and a number of other legal entities in the EU. And that it, that is actually turns out in the end quite relevant. Um, the the thing that Impossible Foods claims is that their that Nestle's incredible burger infringes their Impossible Burger trademark. Now, when I came across it, my first reaction was like, "Well, there's quite a difference between Impossible and Incredible." Me too. How would that be be how would that be, how would that work? Now, so I decided to read 
the whole decision and that clarified a lot for me. Now the decision was in Dutch, but I, I sent this email to Tom. I said, this is interesting. We should talk about it. And I thought it was particularly interesting because last time what we did is we talked about Hugo Boss versus Boss Breweries. Now in that case, that's centered around the fact that Hugo Boss was a famous trademark and, and Boss Breweries wasn't, and it was very small and they were brewing beer. And my question at the time was like, look, these guys are not even in the same business. How can that be a problem? Even though the trademarks are, well, at least partly the same. Here is completely different because here we have two trademarks that are differ different, at least for me, I my first reaction was, this is completely different, but they are about exactly the same products. So how can that be, how can that be uh, confusing to the consumer? Yeah, right, and Jan Willem, before you go on, just to summarize, we, <clears throat> we had Hugo Boss, Sue's Boss Brewery, Boss is exactly the same, but their products are totally different. But the difference there, of course, is Hugo Boss is a famous mark. And when you're dealing with a famous mark, likelihood of confusion is not the consideration as much as dilution of the famous mark. In this case, we have incredible food or incredible burger versus impossible burger. We think they're very different names, but the product is exactly the same. They're both plant-based burgers. Yeah, so th there's, there is no difference there. And what I thought, what I found interesting was when I started reading, reading the decision. So what is, what is the same? Yeah, and that is that, uh, well, first of all, they're used for the same goods. Both trademarks are used for the, for the same goods. And then the question is, what is the overall impression and overall means that is visually. So what does the word look like? Auditory or fanatic and semantic. So what's the meaning of it? Of both marks and are they similar? And is there a risk of confusion? Of, obviously, Impossible Foods claims there is. Nestle claims there isn't. Right. And the third element, which is also addressed in the decision, is um, that is the term incredible burger used as a trademark because that is or just a descriptor it, something descriptor. or is it just a descriptor right and that there is something interesting in europe which you would not have in the us and i'll, I'll come to that later well firstly the similarity in product that's obvious i don't think we have to put too much time in it what to me was not so obvious is the risk of confusion to the consumer. Is the word incredible the same as the word impossible? No, it's not. But what I learned here is that the average consumer and the risk of confusion to the average consumer is not, is not static. And it's not like there is a, um, an imaginative consumer who would be judging this. It also depends on what kind of products you're talking about. For example, if, you're, if you as a consumer, you buy a whole range of products from burgers to cars. In 
this particular case, the level of attention that a consumer pays to the trademark with which it's marketed is different when you look at your everyday groceries or you're looking at a big ticket item like a car. Right. Yes. So I'm the level of attention right. that a that a, a consumer would pay to the distinction of a trademark is much lower for the everyday purchases and like groceries than for example if he would be buying a car or a television or something like that for a car or a television i mean he would do he would do research he would maybe look at consumer tests all these kind of things when you walk in the supermarket and you won't say oh i want my vegetarian burger you just look a little bit at the packaging and it's the impression that the packaging gives and, and the word that you see there and that much that much attention that you that you give to this uh, is is quite low and that makes the risk of confusion inherently higher even if there is a relatively low similarity so that was one thing that i thought was that was interesting because i didn't know that uh, you probably did because uh, well, yeah one one thing i wondered Jan Wilm, in addition would this in your view be would we have this outcome because they're looking at the similarities differently because English is the second language in the Netherlands, whereas it's the first language in England or in the U.S.? Um, I mean, would they be more similar? Like in the U.S., we'd say incredible and impossible are totally different. No one would confuse that in the U.S., but because it's a second language, does that matter? Um, yes. And also because, because they, if, and this, this went back to, to a slightly different subject, and that was the, the use of, for example, incredible burger as a trademark. Yeah. Yeah. In most of the countries uh, that this, uh, this lawsuit was brought, uh, the language is not English. In fact, the only country in, in the EU where the language is English is the UK and they, they just left. So yes, yes, they, they, right. so, but that inherently yeah. means that when you look at, for example, at the package of your burger and you start reading all the information, nutritional information, etc., all that information is typically in the local language, except the words incredible burger. Right. Now, in a lot of countries, in a lot of countries, the word burger, for example, in the Netherlands, the word burger is the same as in the for these kind of burger patties. It's the same in the in Dutch. We use the English word for that. Yeah, and I think that's the same in a lot of things. But the word incredible in French, for example, is incroyable, uh, and there are uh, in Dutch it's ongelooflijk. So that's completely different. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. so using using the English word while part of your packaging is actually in the local language, which is usually required by law anyway. But using the word in English sort of is an indication that it's used as a trademark. Right. So yeah. Argument like, oh, this is only descriptive. Right. Hmm. Already for that reason, doesn't work. 
Right. And you, that is the difference between the U.S. and Europe. Right, except they, they, they did say something a little bit different about descriptive. It wasn't just the question of whether incredible is used as a descriptor as opposed to a trademark, but also whether impossible is descriptive. So, and now we get to trademark strength, right? There's fanciful, arbitrary, suggestive. Descriptive is below the line. If it's a descriptive yes. mark, not enforceable. And, and I personally, I think impossible food, impossible burger is not descriptive. I would say it's suggestive. Because yes. if I said to you, hey, I have a burger called the Impossible Burger, to be descriptive, you'd have to know like that what it is. But you wouldn't. But it's Yeah, like cheeseburger. This was, was an example. For yes. example, the word yes. cheeseburger, that is an indication that it contains cheese. Exactly. That's yeah. just Or even the word veggie burger is an right. indication yes. that yes. it contains vegetables. And you know what else? I would say incredible burger. It's just a descriptor. It's a really good burger. But impossible burger, I believe, has trademark significance because it's not descriptive. It's suggestive. Yes, it is suggestive, and it is suggestive. And the, the, there is actually also, I think, um, in terms of the semantics and the meaning of the two words, there is a uh, similarity. Because impossible means that it's something that can't exist. Right. Incredible means it's, hard it's to something believe. that you, it's, harder, it's hard to believe that it exists. Right, yes. Yeah. So there's definitely... So both things... The it it conjures up obviously since you can buy it, yeah. It is it's clear that it exists, otherwise you wouldn't be able to buy it. Right. But <laughs> what it tries to do in the mind of the consumer, both these words try to conjure up the idea that wow, it's unbelievable that this exists. Yeah. And, yes. and and that is also is a similarity. By the way, I, one thing that you didn't mention, and that was also in the um, uh, taken into account in the court case, is that Impossible Foods has quite a strong market position in the U.S. because they're a U.S. company, and Nestle brought out this incredible burger in Europe, but they also tried to bring out the incredible burger in the U.S. Yes, and what happened there was that. Um, Impossible Foods objected to that, sent them a season desist letter, and they ended up changing the name Incredible Burger to Awesome Burger. Yes, right. And yeah. I think we all agree that awesome is, well, first of all, that's a lot more descriptive in the yes. sense that it's like, well, it's just, it's just awesome. Yeah, right. You can call everything awesome. Right. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, um, but it's, in a way, they admitted there that, well, we're not going to get into this trouble here. So it is clearly a trademark, impossible, impossible burger. Right. And then in the EU, they switched their name to the sensational burger. Well, mm. yeah, they, I think they did that. They did that afterwards. But yeah, of course. With, yeah, the yeah. Incredible, with the incredible burger, they, they still try to argue that it didn't infringe, even though they had already made the change in the U.S., <coughs> Right. So, so by the way, just to kind of summarize what the similarities were that the court found. Number one, same number of letters, right? Yep. Number two, they both start with I, I, right? Impossible, incredible. Number three, they both... Uh, and the uh, whether an M or an N, by the way, if you sound, if you listen yeah. to the sound, that is really the same. It's M or ing. You're right. right. That's very similar. They both end with Ibble, 
right? Impossible, yeah. incredible. Um, they're phonetically similar, right? And again, like you said, in fact, you've actually spelled it out better than I thought that I thought about it before the call, which is impossible and incredible are actually very similar because if it were impossible, it wouldn't be on the market. So they're clearly saying impossible to mean incredible, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so there's a slight, there is a concept similarity. And then of course, the exact same product. Now, now I do believe that just like in the UK, if this were in the US, I mean, I guess they did fight about it in the US, but I don't think it actually went to litigation because Nestle switched to the awesome burger instead of the incredible burger. But I do believe that impossible and incredible in a native tongue is so different that it would not have prevailed in the US. But again, you do have some pretty strong uh, arguments in favor of confusing similarity. And I'm sure that Ray is going to pop up the, um, the incredible burger on the screen. And if yeah. it's possible to find the, I'm sorry, the impossible burger on the screen, if it's possible to find the incredible burger, I'm sure he'll do that as well. And then we can let the, the jury of our millions of viewers decide, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think in the decision, in the Dutch decision, there was actually some packaging of the incredible burger in different countries. And ah, the packaging okay. in all the countries looked the same. And there right. was also text in the local language. But incredible burger was always the, all the time in English. And one other thing, now this was a Dutch court. Yeah, and as you know, in the Netherlands, we are very used to having um, having English terms in marketing and in, in advertising, etc. And a lot of Dutch people, most Dutch people are, um, well, at least know English to some extent. And the court ruled that since most... Uh, consumers uh, or at least a significant portion of consumers has enough knowledge of the English language and a lot of the in a number of countries the words incredible and that same word in the local language means about the same they they would have um, it for those people it wouldn't be like a fanciful mark that it doesn't mean anything in that country they uh, they would recognize the meaning. And even if they don't know exactly, or the meaning of the local word would be slightly different, there is enough overlap and similarity. Yeah, right. Hey, but and while in the US, of course, you would expect people, or in the UK, you would expect people to know, to, to know the meaning of those words much more accurately. Yes, agreed. Hey, and by Which the way, is, I didn't read the court case because it was in Dutch. <laughs> but I did read an article about it that said mm -hmm. that one of the things the court might have considered is that there was some bad faith here by Nestle. Yes. Because of the that negotiations is... over the brand. Did you read anything about that? Yes, I did. Because what happened was that they were they were in this in the they were talking um, and Impossible Foods also mentioned this in their in their uh, court case and it says look. They were negotiating with us. We gave them information, in fact, confidential information about what, we, what, about what we knew about the market. And then they sort of went ahead and very quickly before us brought this incredible burger to right. the market. 
yeah, basically using did, right? our knowledge and all that. So that is, and the court also mentioned that they thought that that was not a very decent thing to do. Right. Of course, right. they put that all in legal words, but they right. they they noted that. Well, you know, and what's what's interesting is that's not really relevant to the question of trademark infringement, right? <clears throat> I mean, either you're either it's confusingly similar or it's not, but they still weighed that into their decision, right? I mean, that well, show the personal element, the emotional element of you know judges are human, right? Yeah, but I. I think there is another element too, and that is that if um, Nestle could have marketed their incredible burger under the name Awesome Burger, right? But they decided not to do that, right? Mm. So they were well aware of the trademark of Impossible Foods, oh yeah, Impossible yeah. Burger, and they decided they decided to go with something. That was, well, not exactly the same, but there were significant similarities. So I think what the courts actually took into account is like, well, you guys took that risk, even though you knew that this, that this brand existed. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and ultimately, it kind of makes sense, right? When you think about it, they did use the awesome brand, although awesome is more of a popular term in the U.S. than it probably would be. I know. So. In fact, in, in fact, we have a friend um, in the U.S. and she visited us. And as you know, my wife is from the U.K. Yeah. And she picked up on the fact that uh, she always said awesome, and awesome. she said that's, typi that's awesome. typical, typical American. Yeah, it's way more <laughs> American than incredible. Although incredible is pretty popular too, but awesome is weirdly American, I think. But well, yeah. I, th I think in that case, we, you probably have to look at the uh, at the language that your daughters use, because they are, let's say, they are much more with the, the times at the moment than you and I are. Yes. Hey, and by the way. I am going to be trying a uh, an Impossible Burger because when oh, I yeah. saw that the Impossible Burger bleeds and it, there's no meat in it, that is just too much for me to um, fight back against. I gotta try one. I, I I'm on yeah. board. Yeah, maybe we're. You know what? Actually, Ray and I are meeting today live at our office, and yeah. who knows if we could? I don't know if there's an Impossible Burger anywhere in Western New York, but if there is, that's what we're doing for lunch. I don't, I'm not sure if I have seen the, the Impossible Burger. There is also, um, there are other um, vegetarian uh, burgers. There is but the Next Level Burger and the Beyond Meat Burger. Yeah, the Beyond Meat, but do they bleed? That's I, th the key I think one of them does because I have had one. And I have to say... Um, I would be really interested in sort of organizing, which unfortunately due to Corona we can't do at the moment, is to have a big right. barbecue, put some, put some of yes. those bleeding burgers on the grill and serve them to particular people who are, let's say, the most outspoken carnivores yeah. um, and yeah. who are very against. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, totally. I have to, because I have to say there are some burgers that are, um, you will be very surprised. That's, uh, they don't taste, well, there, there is also, 
different burgers taste different anyway. Yeah, yeah. because of the, the spices that they put in. Um, and they do taste. And, and these also have a particular case, but they do bleed. And they have, they have a consistency, at least some of them that I have tried, they have a consistency which is very, very similar to beef. Well, Surprisingly similar. Yeah, well, I have to say, I'd never, I had never heard of the Impossible Foods brand until you sent me that email about it a day ago or two. And mm -hmm. I have to say, I love that brand now. I think Impossible Foods is a great brand because that's what it's like impossible. This cannot, you know, their whole mentality is this cannot be, you know, non-meat. I love that brand. Yeah, so I, yeah I, I agree. I, I really like the, uh, I, I like the, I like the brand name. And I think also their, uh, from what I have heard, their, their products are good. Yeah. And very similar to meat. Yeah, do we the have only one? Right? That I, the I, only I thing that I don't I've know. Seen them, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if we have it around here. I've I've heard of um I think Burger King sells a burger that is a meatless burger. And I wanna say that it might be the impossible burger. Or or I think so too. And and I've I've seen like ads for it before and I thought well, I would give it a try. It looks interesting because Burger King makes good burgers. But I, I gotta say when we were starting this podcast this morning, I was thinking to myself, yeah, I've, I've heard of the Impossible Burger. But then right as we were starting, I was thinking, wait a minute, did, was it the Impossible Burger or the Incredible Burger that I had heard of? Oh, really? And then I was like, yeah, yeah. and then I was like, which one was first? And then I was like, holy crap, it is because I came into this with the same mindset as, um, oh, they're two totally different words. There's no way that's infringement. Yeah, but then right. I realized as we were as we started talking that I didn't know which it was, and I'm I'm your you know your average consumer, no no you know knowledge beyond what I I've learned at Executive IP about trademarks. So I I I feel like I could be a pretty good um, case study. Okay, so well, I'm I think this this just proves that sort of the the mental image in your mind when you hear those words is very similar. It is. Yeah, you made a really good point about the uh the idea that the words impossible and incredible are meant to evoke this sort of yeah awe in that in that it exists <laughs> okay yeah. so i'm i did a quick search on my phone and they're calling it an impossible whopper huh. ah. that's interesting impossible <laughs> whopper is it is it like wait, wait. With impossible caps yeah so it's caps so the it says uh, why Burger King's new and then capital I impossible Whopper isn't totally vegetarian. These are just some articles that came up. Burger huh. King impossible Whopper, but it's it's uppercase I, so maybe it. Yeah, I don't think they're using. No, it. I think it. I think it is the same because I did. I also read something about that, and I I I seem to recall the same argument about why it isn't totally vegetarian or vegan, and I think. That has to do with the fact that they um, they prepare them on the same grill, so oh, you may have a burger. you may have an impossible vegetarian burger right next to yeah, right. the good old beef burger. Yes, and, and I, 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 let's put it this way: I, I have met vegetarians who, when they, for example, have a salad and it has some shrimps, then. 
they'll just pick out the shrimps and don't eat them. Right. Other ones are like, if they are prepared in the same kitchen, they won't touch it. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so that's why the. Yeah, because you have the flame broiled burgers going, and then you throw a couple Impossible burgers right next to it, and some of the grease might be splattering onto the Impossible burger. And yeah. some of the some of the vegetarians who are not totally committed are hoping that some grease splatters over onto the Impossible burger. <laughs> I really leave, I'll leave that statement for you. I don't agree with that. I'm not going to agree with that. No, I, I'm not a vegetarian. We're going to we are going to get so many thumbs downs on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Vegetarians watching this video are furious. Right, right. And, and vegans are even more furious. Well, they're always furious. Oh, oh, I did not say that. That was Ray that said that. I think vegans Sorry, are vegans. I'm sorry. I'm a carnivore, so. I think they're wonderful. Well, so, I did. I did talk to a vegan, to a uh, someone who said to, who is now eating vegetarian. He said he used to be vegan. I said, what What made you change? And he he answered to me, and they said because when I realized how um, good that I was more busy feeling good about myself than actually about what I was eating. Ah. And that's when he, when he quit being a vegan. <laughs> but that was, this is a quote, this is not, uh, yeah, he, so he went to vegetarian. Right, he didn't go from vegan to, um, you know, omnivore. Yeah, he didn't go to Ray. <laughs> he didn't go to Ray. Right. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, right. All right, so, so Ray, should we wrap up? Yeah, I think this was an awesome podcast. Thanks so much, Jan Willem, for, for bringing this story to our attention. And again, if you guys enjoyed hearing us trying to figure out whether the burger is impossible or incredible. Or um, awesome. Or awesome. Or all three, really. Um, yeah. I'm going to do it today because I'm going to have a Burger King Impossible Whopper today. I, yeah, I've got to yeah. try one, too. So. Come to our meeting early, Ray, and we'll go to Burger King and get the, the, the uh, Incredible Whopper. All right. Incred the incredibly awesome impossible. <laughs> Is it incredibly awesome uh, impossible? <laughs> oh man, we just proved our okay. Sorry. Thank you guys. Thanks. Uh, make sure you uh, hit the like button. Share this video. That's the most important thing with anyone who you think would be interested. Take care, everyone.